Welcome to 12 Questions with Anna Valenzuela. I am sure you've noticed we've been on hiatus. I needed to take a little break, got a little busy with comedy. Hey, guess what? I won that roast battle. Uh, and I'm going to do it again on the 26th against Raina Hunter. Very uh, funny comedian. Um, incredible experience. Uh, you're going to hear an episode coming up soon about that. Uh, not my battle, but somebody else's. It's, it's a lot. <laughs> it's a lot. Um, speaking of a lot, I have the second half of the Laurel S episode. So this is going to be really exciting. I know I left you guys on a cliffhanger. It starts at question six. This is what happens when you're BFF and you sit down and try to record a podcast. Um, if you uh, want to find me, you can find me on Facebook and Anna Valenzuela or 12 questions. You can find me at uh, Anna V is fun on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, yeah, please uh, check me out. See what's what's happening. Comedy wise come out and uh, keep listening. I'm really flattered by all the feedback I'm getting and really honored. And uh, it's so great to see our community and people curious about our community coming together. Uh, if you have any questions, feel free to uh, hit me up on the social media sites, um, or uh, you can uh, email me at Anna V Comedy at the Gmails. So, anyway, uh, love you lots. Let's do this. All right, question six. We were talking about the eating disorder stuff. You, we got through that. I think so. Yeah, yeah we did. Six and seven. Mm-hmm. Were there any defects of character that you were afraid of losing because they made you feel interesting or um, were working? Um, well, I mean, I thought if I, you know, gave up purging that I'd get fat. <laughs> so Don't we all? Right. <laughs> um, actually, listen up, kids. I uh, I got thinner once I stopped doing it, so word to the wise. Yeah, because your body isn't like, hey, bitch, you're starving and traumatizing me all the time. Right. It's actually better for your metabolism to yeah. keep, keep and digest your foods. Yeah. Yeah. Turns out everyone in the world was right. <laughs> Except my disease. Right. Yeah, so. Right. <laughs> That's the story. That's the story of everyone's disease. Yeah. Turns out everyone was right, except for yeah. my using brain. It was <laughs> like, you know what? I, I think this uh, super high-risk behavior would be good. Yeah, I think I actually know better than everything. Yeah. Um, And then... I still haven't really let go of sarcasm, which I don't think I'll do. Why? I don't... Okay. I've let go of... Well, not necessarily all the negativity. When I first got clean, my sense of humor was, like, very sarcastic and negative, but sort of to an abusive extent. Like, there's a difference between humor and abuse. And so, mm. like, a lot of... A lot of what I thought was funny and like joking around with someone turns out was just like talking shit and I didn't know it. We could be real cunty. 
in our social circle. To be fair, it was a mosh pit of cuntiness. Yeah. It was a lot of, just a lot of people working it out and and that's the the fellowship aspect is the the sort of the the social the social skills lab that is the before and after the meeting for sure yeah for sure um like we'd have magic moments and have eight impromptu eighth grade dances outside of meetings (laughs) where everybody danced like they were in the eighth grade that was fun to boys to men i remember we did that oh yeah Madra was still around and Poison Poison Not the band Come on <laughs> oh, Belle Biv DeVoe Yeah Now you know Now you know <laughs> Um Yeah That was That was a fun time Yeah And then But then also sometimes we'd all yell at each other I miss that <laughs> I miss it and I don't Like I'm I'm glad That that was an experience Yeah but I, I wouldn't want to treat people that way anymore. Yeah. I mean, I'm glad that doesn't happen anymore as adults because... Oh, we were kids. We were yeah, babies. Like, it's it's okay. <laughs> um, if it happened now, it'd be, like, inappropriate. But, um... <laughs> well, I mean, the, the other thing, too, is, like, um, I'm a lot easier on myself than I used to be. You know, so there's this less, there's less um, pressure to be socially perfect at all times, because I'm going to, I've probably a hundred times said the wrong word in this podcast, or I'm going to um, misquote something, or I'm going to be wrong, right? and to give myself the space to be wrong and to be okay with myself, to be like, oh yeah, i say dumb shit all the time my bad right. you know um that was a big freedom like i don't have to be cool that hip slick and cool thing <laughs> like i don't have to be cool i don't have to be right and um i certainly don't have to always be perfectly spiritual yes there's that sort of like i, that I talk about it a lot i thought i would cross the spiritual sp- finish line and be transcendent and i think that there was a a miss a sort of a miss um misguided attempt to create some people who had transcended in our social circle you know that kind of placed some folks on pedestals and um i think that that was harmful um both to us and to those people you know because that was you know it's 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 really difficult if i say you know one more time oh my god (laughs) start a podcast learn how you sound um i don't think it was fair to those folks yeah you know it's, it's lonely it's really lonely at the top especially a top that you've built yourself and tried to convince everybody that that's how it's supposed to be when you're really a power bottom (laughs) 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 yeah yeah it was a very it was a kind of a weird time you know but we we learn yeah well and it was valuable to like who we are now but at the time it was interesting how I conduct myself in comedy is a direct result of that time in my recovery. <laughs> it, it's true, because I see a lot of the parallels. Mm-hmm. 
and I know I almost get the second chance to behave differently and with uh, without the the levity of the situation just, just keep it keep it light that makes sense keep it light and fluffy and you know try not to talk shit too mm-hmm. much and try not to gossip I mostly so hard oh god gossip's delicious isn't it yeah I mostly gossip about myself which is a problem oh yeah because the most amazing things that I do or that are, happen around me are involve other people and those people don't want their business build yeah so I'm practicing right now just trying my damnedest to keep keep those things in yeah. and, and mostly because I have friends in the program I don't need to tell other folks what's going on yeah I can call you and be like girl <laughs> oh my god he had three dicks yeah and one of them fell off while we were fucking no I'm and kidding I forgot to put it in my purse <laughs> I forgot to put it in my purse and save it for you <laughs> <laughs> Or whatever, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have a hard time not gossiping about myself, too. Just, I'm a perpetual oversharer. <laughs> and it's, yeah. I'm telling you, comedy, make it a marketable skill. Yeah. With well, some I mean, joke structure and stuff. It says in basic text that our character defects are usually just our character assets blown out of proportion so yeah there you go yeah that's what you're doing uh, maybe you're trying trying Shit. it's not it's not easy <laughs> no i'm really sounds grateful like, sounds like what most comedians do it's so much fun <laughs> it's so much fun i've never um i'm so grateful every day i get to wake up and say i'm anna v and i'm a comedian what the fuck yeah it's it's really cool it's really cool why is this interview becoming about me i'm like i'm just gonna talk about me right now why would it not Ugh, because it's about you Uh, how do you deal with fear and anxiety um not well not very well to be honest um Mm, with anxiety I mean you know I try to utilize tools with deep breathing exercises and um, (laughs) you know visualization and preventative techniques like uh, meditation and obviously medication and therapy um and honestly, the uh, fourth step that I'm currently on, I'm actually on hiatus from it, was, uh, this sounds like, this sounds like some sort of, you know, addict cop-out sort of thing, but it was giving me anxiety attacks, and I uh, had to fire a sponsor because of it, and she was really not understanding and I and I get it I kind of would have been skeptical too had I heard this from a sponsee but um it was bringing up a lot of trauma and uh 
you know, because when you like rework the steps again after, you know, multiple years clean, it obviously gets deeper. But, um, so it was bringing up a lot of sexual trauma and this is, um, this is before my dad had died. Uh, and so every time I would work on it, basically something about him would come up as he's like on his deathbed and, um, I would have an anxiety attack and, you know, I wouldn't be able to breathe and, you know, I'd be like, you know, in a corner and all that stuff. And every time I come down from an anxiety attack, I get a migraine. So it was like missing work and, um, basically like kind of paralyzed by this four step, you know, and it's like, Oh, I'll try to do one question a day, <laughs> you know? And so it's like, obviously that wasn't working. Cause then I'd put myself into this position every day or I'd try to just like, you know, do a whole bunch at once. And then I just was fucking myself over and over and over. And the sponsor I had was sort of like, mm, all I hear is an addict having a hard time with her four step, you know, when I was asking for help on it and I'm like, okay, I kind of get that, but, like, I, I need you to, like, hear this, and I tried talking to her about it a few times, and she's like, you know what, I mean, like, we all have sexual abuse, I used to get, like, raped all the time by my brother, and, you know, doesn't mean that I get to stop working the steps, and it's like, I didn't ask to stop working the steps, <laughs> I just, like, need more time. Yeah, that's a, it's a real fun logic. I got raped a bunch. I'm yeah. cool. Yeah, I know. And so clearly was, haven't dealt with it at all. Right. Uh, how about and and that's the same. That's to get back to how I was with the kids in the rehab. You know, um, I can't handle the way you feel. Yeah. You just need to do it the way I do it. Yeah. I'll tell you how to feel about this. Yeah, and so I haven't really talked to her well much since then. And I've um <clears throat> I've taken a lot of the four step stuff to my therapist and you know, pretty much everyone in my support group is in recovery. Mm. Um <clears throat> So what has been the most interesting amends that you've had to make? <laughs> it's Specifically, uh, I want to talk about the story you told me before we were recording, <laughs> and also a little bit about your dad. Okay. <laughs> Two sides to that coin. <laughs> right. Well, um, as far as, like, my dad with the amends process? Yeah. Let's start with the other story, though. Let's start with the other story. <laughs> um... Well, you know, for for any of us who's ever had a roommate, it's easy to complain about, you know, oh, my roommate does this, my roommate does that, uh, uh. but oftentimes <clears throat> I'll look, I'll just take a step back and be like, oh, wait, no, 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 I'm the nightmare roommate. I am the nightmare roommate. <clears throat> And um, I always have been since the beginning of time. Um, 
So when I first moved, I first left home, I was 17, and I went to L.A. to go to fashion school. Um, And um, I eventually dropped out to shoot dope, obviously, because that's a much more lucrative career. Super fun. Yeah, yeah. Right. Um, And I was... In that amazing car that you had with the broken door and the blood and the headliner and the box full of cassette tapes. Yeah. All the the hubcap that it had. It smelled like the tampon trash can in June, you know? Yeah. It was a hot car. Lovely little car. I miss that car. Me too. It was cute. Um, my the one I have now is so like adult. Yeah, we're grown ups now. <sighs> Anyways, um, so I had so we had a two bedroom on like Virgil and Third, um, downtown. Not all that downtown even. It's sort of close to Koreatown and Miracle Mile. Miracle Mile. Miracle Mile. Mm, yeah. And um, there was four of us in a two-bedroom, and it was, like, me and these two, like, stoner dudes that were pretty cool. And then this um, this one girl that was a graphic design major at the same school as me. And I don't even know how I, like fell into this housing arrangement like I have I can't even remember but um so I um the way you said it the first time was so perfect (laughs) you were like I had to make it amends for beating up my roommate Fucking all her boyfriends <laughs> and stealing her clothes, which I know for you, that's the priority of offenses, like <laughs> in ascending order. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Bitch, learn to take a beating. Uh-huh. Also learn to keep your man. Sorry, I took your clothes. Yeah. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, first of all, you shouldn't have said whatever dumb shit you said that probably wasn't that fucked up anyways, but I beat you up for it. Yeah. Second of all, he's too cute for you. So I'm going to take him. And how I know <laughs> it's because she ended up being on a reality show. She's not fucking cute. No. She looks like <laughs> she looks like Tom York. Who was an <laughs> Who is an amazing musician? It's not really he's she, not. She looks like <laughs> goth Tom York <laughs> right was a girl right only she was much worse when we were younger like she got cuter when she was on that show anyways um which I still argue that all of the abuse that you inflicted on her probably prepared her for her career in Hollywood yeah you're welcome bitch um <laughs> <laughs> So I knew I was a nightmare nightmare roommate. Um, So obviously she was on the eighth step. And, you know, the sponsor I had at the time, I I think I mostly just, you know, in reading the basic text, it really stuck out to me. You know, um, we work the eighth step as if there is no ninth step. And I'm like, 
cool, I can do that. That's right. a good idea. Because it's like, maybe I won't even have to address this shit. So I just laid it all out there. <laughs> and then when I came to it, I was like, fuck, what if I do? And <clears throat> I had to try to find this person. This was in the bygone days of MySpace, because cool. Um, and she did not want to meet for coffee. So that I could make amends to her. I don't ever want to see it again. I don't ever want to see She's Oh, hi. Um, I want my Doc Martens back. But <laughs> you can send them to P.O. Box. Go fuck yourself, bitch. <laughs> and she also did not want to give me her phone number. Um, <laughs> Probably because she thought you were going to steal her boyfriend. <laughs> I know. <laughs> or like fuck her up or something. Like, I don't even remember what we fought about. I know that she did not want me to, like, she didn't mind if me and, like, the guys that we lived with, like, smoked pot or drank. Right. Um, she didn't like it when I ate her food. She didn't like it when I fucked her dudes or wore her clothes. She didn't like it when I did coke off the kitchen table, because I guess that, like, that's where she liked to do homework, and she also wasn't, was, like, <laughs> trying not to do coke, and her boyfriend was a recovering addict, and I didn't really understand that concept <laughs> or something. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> and I didn't I didn't really hear any of that stuff I was just uh, like why are you such a fucking dumb bitch like <laughs> I just thought she was such a square um, so so then we found about that stuff you know and then if she got too confrontational I would hit her <laughs> Oh, like punches or slaps? Well, I I don't think they started with punches like every time, but I mean that's where it ended up. Right. Um and then <laughs> oh. you've also had one of the most badass mid-share threats I've ever heard. And shared two things in <laughs> well actually three things in meetings that uh just make make me smile. Like if I <laughs> If I end up with a horrible disease and I can't leave a bed, I want you to just recount these things on a loop. Um, the first one was, speaking of reality shows, when uh, Jeffrey, there was a controversy on Project Runway season <laughs> three or four, mm -hmm. where Jeffrey and the mom person got in some sort of tizzy and... Uh, you shared about it for like six and a half minutes. You like ran, you ran the timer. Yeah. At the meeting. Fuck your timer. It was so funny. Yeah. <laughs> and then, uh, cause he was a recovering addict and I was like, oh my God. He's our boy. Yeah. And yeah. I had dropped out of fashion school to shoot dope. And then I was like, oh my God, he's living the dream. Um, even though I would hate to go back to fashion school, but still fucking represent Jeffrey. Son of a bitch. Yeah. And then, um, uh, you shared I've I've told this story to comics that you've said the coolest thing I've ever heard in a meeting which is sometimes you just wanna shoot a speedball in your titty vein and get in a fight <laughs> that's a great statement <laughs> it's true it is true it's, yeah. it's true sometimes some it, sometimes I shouldn't leave the house because I like I'm reminded of this episode of The Shield. Yes, that show with Michael Chiklis, uh, where he just loses it and the, he's like walking uphill in the dark, and there, there's just a light shining on him, 
and that's how I feel. Like I'm just I feel like a tiny bald man ready to fight at any time. So I <laughs> get it. I have a very weird never seen that show. It's now I feel like I don't really show. need to. It was okay. I mean it's not like the wire, you know. I could have a better reference uh-huh. for anger, I suppose. Or like that um that sound that happens in the Kill Bill movies. That oh, that's yeah. On, yeah, that's that's my uh go go home. Just go home because you're gonna Yeah, yeah. That's my sound. And then also you threaten someone mid share. I think that was the same share too. Because somebody was talking shit about your sponsor. It was the same meeting. I don't think it was the same share. It was because my sponsor, my first sponsor, we were the same age and she she's lovely. Uh she did grow up in the San Fernando Valley, and you can very much tell by the way she speaks. Yeah. And she's perky and... And adorable. Cute. So but, cute. So she, especially when she was younger, she did use the word like very generously. <laughs> and um, so some newcomers were talking shit sitting in front of me. The the sponsor who was sharing was sitting all the way across the room. She couldn't hear them, but I was getting fucking heated about it. And so, you know, I shared. I had taken off all my rings and earrings as I was hearing them talking shit about her. Because, you know, <laughs> La Familia disrespect yo or whatever the fuck was going on in my head and it's like suddenly it was blood in blood out <laughs> exactly. your eyebrows came right off and you were like, fuck <laughs> it's, yeah. it's like um, threatening newcomers i don't even fucking know that was a weird meeting too oh. for both of us that was a very very weird meeting i remember <laughs> my first couple of times being there threatening to I took off my earrings <laughs> and, and a ring handed uh, my purse to my boyfriend and <laughs> offered to take a gentleman outside to have a conversation oh that guy that guy who then tried to fuck me years later Mm -hmm. which is (laughs) we live in a fun world yeah um so what i'm saying is (laughs) you grow spiritually over time not overnight absolutely and uh we met at a fun time at a young people's meeting it should be crazy yeah absolutely And we were equal parts crazy everybody had a part being crazy in that meeting definitely um and also my god young people's meetings oh my god (sighs) yeah that's a that is literally a clusterfuck Mm -hmm. it's it's sex and coffee and rock stars and red bulls and poker and smoking not many traditions not not in and and when the traditions are brought up they're brought up as a weapon (laughs) says woman who brings them up as a weapon the most at the time that was pretty brutal back in the day yeah it's fine i mean i mean i made that perky sponsor years cry in that meeting I know. <laughs> there's no crying in baseball. <laughs> my response is, there's no crying in baseball. Grow up. <laughs> Just grow up. Nobody wants to hear you cry. Oh, my God. <laughs> Jesus. Um, okay. I think that was one of my dissociation moments that I was so famous at. Just really, la, la, la. Half the room was checked out. We were all torturing each other. But <laughs> we're all clean still, for the most part. Yeah. Most of us. Most of us, except the dude who tried to fuck you and then showed up to our friend's funeral, like, 
with sunglasses on. Not just sunglasses. They were the sunglasses of cocaine. Yeah. Like, they look like they were made of coke. <laughs> oh, God. Didn't they? Yeah. Like, you could have just crushed them up and smoked them. I know. God, they were douchey. God. Well, I mean, that guy was... And he... Yeah, he spoke at a funeral. It was one of the hardest program funerals I've ever been to. I know. It was the hardest I ever cried. Yeah. Um, it's yeah. brutal. So, how do you experience and i'm going to piggyback this question with how you experience forgiveness because i know that you came to this really amazing place of forgiveness with your dad and um didn't we answer this we did oh okay but i ran out of space on the sd (laughs) no we had to go back um well when i was little um my when my sister and I would fight my mom would uh you know the way we'd work it out is my mom and would sit me and my sister down and be like okay now what do you say and whoever started it would say okay I'm sorry and then she'd look to the other one of us even if you know we weren't really at fault and say, and now it's your turn. And we'd say, I forgive you. And it became the point where it wasn't just like lip service. It's like, we actually did forgive each other. And, you know, like I had said previously, like my family, they're like real Christians. So, and, um, I feel like I've always been able to be pretty empathetic that it's just like, yeah, we do things and we make mistakes and, I do a lot of silly things and make a lot of mistakes, which is why it's sort of easy to uh, be understanding when other people do it and not have to hold it against them so much. Um, I don't think I'm always great at that all the time, but it's um, when I got to when I did my first four step. I got to the most, like, forgiving I've ever been, really, especially with, like, abuse and things like that, mm-hmm. is because I sort of realized that things that I thought that had been, like, done to me or things that actually had been done to me, places where I had actually been victimized, uh, weren't you know none of that was done in like a malicious way it was you know right that kind of came up with the four step yeah and i think that what's really amazing is that you acted it out like that you maintain a relationship with your dad and that wasn't easy oh and that was part of the the ninth step that we right were yeah yeah um I didn't really want to have a relationship with my dad much at all throughout the majority of my clean time. Uh, especially the, the beginning because it was really painful. Um, and he's, he was, um, he was a lot. I'm going to say that I never met your dad, Mm -hmm. but I did get to see like his racist joke emails and like (laughs) 
yeah you know he was your impression of your dad's really funny <laughs> you know like he, he was a lot mm-hmm. to deal with outside of the sexual abuse he was right. just a lot yeah it was yeah it was a lot there was a lot of comments on my weight or he just wouldn't be nice to me or my sister like if we weren't wearing makeup or you know he was just there's just a lot of like little things just yeah like he said completely beyond any sort of abuse that was just like oh my god he's you know he's a good man he was the best man that he could be right he knew how to be but he you know he it was exhausting he was exhausting. Yeah. Um, so I didn't want to have that much of a relationship with him. But um, he was on my eighth and ninth step. And because of some of the victimization stuff, my sponsor and I decided it would be best not to do a direct amends with him because mm-hmm. that would sort of re-victimize Um but that, you know, I could make living amends by just including him in my life and, like, continuing to have a relationship with him in the, in the capacity that he's, like, capable of having a relationship with someone. Right. Because he did love me and he cherished me as his daughter and he was really proud of me and he wanted to have a relationship with me and he didn't really know how badly he had damaged me and he didn't really know that he had done anything wrong. So, which is, you know, one of the other reasons why I had a hard time holding it against him. Did you go to court when you were a kid? (laughs) No. Um, It was a small town. I told a school guidance counselor when I was 12. Um, actually, told my first boyfriend when I was 12. Mm. Yeah. And we broke up, and he was teasing me when we were playing, like, kickball or some shit. And I made a joke that he had a little dick, which, of course, I had found out because I was 12, because, you know. Yeah. Totally. When you're 12, you obviously play with dudes dicks already whatever um (laughs) byproduct of a messy childhood (laughs) exactly so i made a joke about him having a little dick um and then he said in front of everyone in the class well at least my daddy didn't molest me and then i was sent to the school guidance counselor He's a gem of a person, by the way. Absolutely. Solid move. Yeah. It's hard sometimes to not think of his name and not think, you ruined my fucking life. You know? So, I mean, obviously, he's been on some four steps and stuff, but... But the guidance counselor got called in. Yeah. So that's the help. Mm. Yeah... Um, a po- like a policeman came and I wanted my best friend there and it was really awkward because we talked to the police guy and he was obviously he'd obviously never taken a report like that before and his eyebrows were doing some crazy shit because like you know he, he just was like concerned or something and he was you know uncomfortable so like his 
eyebrows were going up and down and wiggling in a way like, you know, with his facial expressions that were out of fucking hand. So we were trying not to laugh also because we were uncomfortable. And so officer seizure came to take the report. <laughs> yeah. It's like, hold on. I have an involuntary facial tech. <laughs> exactly. It gets triggered when little girls tell me about sex. <laughs> I know. It was like. Because this so- isn't creepy enough. <laughs> it was really terrible. Jesus. Um. So I don't know if that made him kind of skeptical or what. He did have to go to my dad's work and talk to him. And then nothing really happened. Mm. So, you know, my dad. And then my dad was like, why did you tell people this and that? And I was like, "Um, because of this and that. And he's like, well, that's a lie. Like, you almost got me fired. You're ruining my life. And Mm. then my sister was like, why did you say that about dad? And I'm like, did he not do that to you? And, um, which I still haven't really gotten much of a confirmation on. I know that she did move, like, she moved, like, we would sleep at his house on the weekends. And then, um, and he had this California king-size bed. And, um... When she got to be, and we would all like sleep in it, but then when she got to be, I don't know how old, like 12 or something, she ended up moving to the couch. So it was just me and him. So maybe he didn't. He probably did. She is a very close off person. Right. Um, but so at the time, he was like, I don't, he was saying it didn't happen and she was saying it didn't happen and my mom was sort of just like um, you know trying to stay neutral um, she seemed sort of like at first she was like I knew it and then I was like no never mind never mind never mind I take it back because it was like just too much and I didn't want it to be true and I didn't want my family to disown mm-hmm. me and so she was like oh okay okay yeah fine do you really struggle with feeling like you've been heard today most of the time yeah with it's like what it was a very important time for people to believe you (laughs) right everyone's just trying to play cool like yeah "Yeah, let's just be cool about this (laughs) right these aren't the things that we're cool about this is not this is not the time to play cool Right. Um, So, yeah, with and I see it now that I've, you know, been in a lot of therapy, um, I can I can understand, like, when that same sort of like behavior pattern is coming out that it's like, okay, this is this is me. Right. You know, reliving this sort of episode, you know. Um, But I do that. I have that a lot sort of where I'm like thinking that no one's hearing me or no one's believing me or people are like out to fuck me over um and I know it's irrational but it's kind of my first my go-to I have the opposite where I'm entirely too trusting of people Mm. so in a way is it's great that we are friends because <laughs> I need people in my life to be like, Hey, that's a thing. Like mm. that's, 
that's a person who's trying to get xyz out of you i'm like no they just want to be my friend (laughs) um but also like i can see and it's probably good to have people in your life who are just like no man it's it's all right yeah just walk through it it's fine (laughs) it really is it's fine you know yeah but i think what's really interesting is your dad got sick um two years ago well, no, actually, much, much longer before that. So, like, the, the living amends is, like, I called him once a week, and mm-hmm. I would go and visit him, and we'd have these superficial talks, and we kept this superficial relationship, and that was my living amends, and it was like, okay, whatever. And then when I think I had, like, seven years clean, he had um, his colon removed, because they're like, yeah, you have some cancer stuff. And he was so tight-lipped about it. He's like, it's just not this big of a deal, you know. Um, I have to have part of my colon removed. It's whatever. Um, If you can just, like, help me out in the following days after. And so I, like, stayed at my dad's house when I had seven years clean. And it was kind of fucked up, and it was a big deal for me. Um, And I, like, got through it. And I had, like, just gotten out of um, a serious relationship, too. So it was, like... It was kind of pivotal in my recovery. And then he had also, like, not long after that, he had had this grapefruit-sized melanoma tumor in his shoulder. And, like, he had, like, collapsed at work or something. And then they took most of it out, and they're like, you have to come back, like, tomorrow to get this, the rest of this out. And he never did. And then for, you know, years, he was just like, I'm in the best health of my life. And every time I asked him, like, what the doctor said, he's like, oh, Western medicine. I don't need to go to the doctor. Da-da-da-da. And I'm just like, oh, okay. And so then two years ago, uh, he, I guess my sister and her boyfriend, like, saw him at the store. And she didn't even recognize him because he was so jaundiced and, like, week that all of a sudden she was like oh my god dad and um and they went to the hospital and they're like yeah you do not have long to live like your cancer's gotten really bad and the colon cancer that uh that we told you to come back to get taken care of is everywhere now he's like but I got my colon removed so what and um yeah So, we kept thinking he only had a little bit longer to live and a little bit longer to live. And he was, um, he got the chemo. And during this whole time, honestly, I was like, and I I feel, I have conflicted feelings about this. But at the time, I was just like, can you fucking die already? Um... And then, like, a week before he died, I started to appreciate him. And, um, but, I mean, the whole, throughout that whole time, I was, like, you know, still, and I'd stepped up my living amends process with calling him a little bit more and obviously visiting him much more often and sending him stupid jokes, really offensive jokes, but those are the kind he likes. Right. (laughs) (laughs) And, um, you know, fucking pictures of the cat all kinds um 
And it it was surprising to me that he was working so hard to get chemo and do all, all that because I'm just like, dude, like one of your daughters ran away to Arizona and is doing who knows what. The other one doesn't fucking like you. And like right. your ex-wife is taking care of you. She doesn't like you. I mean, she obviously pretends she does because she's a good Lutheran. Um, <laughs> Your mom's delightful. She's so, yeah, like, she was so amazing. It's like making him food and bringing him to the doctor just right. because she's such a fucking good person. It's, like, amazing. Um, and And he was, like, just laying in his house, like, shitting himself backwards day in and day out watching Big Bang Theory. <laughs> and so then the week before he died, I started to, like, appreciate him. Right. You know? And um, and I was excited to go visit him. And, um, you know, and I, I'd been having a lot of health stuff of my own. So it was just like, you know, I have this doctor's appointment, and then after that one, I'm going to come up and see you. And, um, and then on, like, Wednesday... I think July 29th, I sent him a text and I was like, hey, I was just jamming out to the doors on the radio. And every time they come on, I I like turn it up and get this good memory of us like when we were kids Um, and how you used to like get all hyper in the morning and like sing silly songs and we'd have so much fun and like how the coolest way in the world to be woken up is by your crazy dad bursting in the room and going wake up and pee the world's on fire (laughs) and um and I and you know and that was just I love you pappy and then he responded that he loved me or I don't even know if he responded I don't think he responded my mom said that he definitely got it because she was reading it to him and that you know he was like too weak at the time to uh, read them or something for the last few years of his life he only really had one eye that worked um, which is awesome because he liked riding motorcycles because 805 805 for life, yeah. <laughs> um, when you're like 50, they just issue you a motorcycle and a Steely Dan album. <laughs> Seriously, yeah. You're like, enjoy. Enjoy your midlife crisis till you die. Absolutely. And They're like, you'll, you know, whatever. If you can survive the motorcycle and the Steely Dan, you can mm-hmm. then watch the Big Bang Theory. Yeah. Yeah. And eat at a lot of diners. A lot of diners. You'll eventually get your social security card. Oh. If this goes well. Yeah. And and there's a lot of wineries. <laughs> yeah. And jazz festivals. Blues yeah. festivals. And. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a place it. to be. That's, that's it. I'll probably go back there if I get old. I mean, when I get old. If I get old. Eh. It's a weird, it's a weird, for me, it's a weird place because it's a place where I was born and it's a place where my dad decided he wanted to die. So when I go home, it's equal parts. Yeah. Magic and horrible. I just eat. There's all a the lot time. of good shit to eat there. God, there's good food up there. Yeah. 
Oh. And you can be... You can be a few pounds heavier up there and be, yes, still be hot you, as fuck. If we've talked about this, we are we are LA fours, small town eight. It's small small town elevens. <laughs> That's true. Let's be honest. We don't have children. <laughs> All you have to do is whisper in a grocery store. I don't have children. Yeah, and men would just chase us out to our yeah. cars. <laughs> just chase us. Oh my god, it's true. With a famous Stars and Straps t-shirt Because it's 15 years ago over there <laughs> Be like I'm really into Sublime right now <laughs> Have you heard of this Magical drink called Monster <laughs> Oh my god It's true I'm gonna get a hookah <laughs> I haven't heard of vape yet <laughs> But once I do I'm gonna do it everywhere <laughs> Inside And it's gonna be fine Yeah um, <laughs> The fun part is That it's interchangeable That could be Bakersfield It could be Costa Mesa mm-hmm. It could really be anywhere mm-hmm. But um, <laughs> It's really beautiful That you came to that place Where you were like In total acceptance of your dad Yeah and then and then he died that night after I sent the text and it was like, and I thought I had more time and I was going to go there like two days later. So I was yeah. kind of bummed. Well, not bummed is obviously not the right word. It was um, devastating. But then on the other hand, it was like, at least I had gotten to that place spiritually right. where it was like, I didn't, I didn't uh, resent him anymore. Yeah. And, um, and he was really, really proud of me. Um, well, it's not to be proud of. You're an amazing woman. <laughs> Thank you. Um, he, you know, bragged to all his friends about me. And, like, I, I feel kind of silly. You know, it's like, <laughs> my daughter got off of heroin. Wee! <laughs> you know? Hey. <laughs> The fact that we're not in a trailer on a reservation shooting dope right now is a miracle. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, giving our... We could be busting tables at the casino. Yeah. And sleeping with our bosses. Seriously. Well, I mean, slept with a boss here or there, but, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah. They're little babies in vodka-soaked pacifiers. mm -hmm. Um, But... So that's, yeah, I mean, that's true. It sounds like he came to a place of acceptance with you, too. Mm hmm. Because, you know, at first he was sort of like. Excuse me. Uh, not very accepting of the disease concept, not very accepting of me not shitting out a bunch of grandchildren um, for him. You know. To possibly also be inappropriate with. That's uh, another... That's that's a layer. Right. Yeah, make me some grandkids. Yeah. You're a creepy dad. I don't know if yeah. I want to deal with creepy grandpa. Right. 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 Um, so, but eventually, I think it was when my f- sister went to rehab, he started to actually listen about like what I had to say about the disease concept. And at first it was like, you'll fucking visit her, but not me. But it was like, whatever, he was starting to listen. And so it was, you know, it was cool. Um, But like, you know, in the last 
year of his life, like we started to like get close. Yeah. And it was more than I expected. And of course he was still aggravating, but parents are aggravating. Parents are aggravating and men are aggravating. Yeah. And you know, but, um, but it was also beautiful and he was a better person than I thought he was. Yeah. But you know, it turns out he had all these friends. There's his favorite brew house has like a drink named after him. What is it? It's called the milkman. He oh, was, he a, was a, wolfman, a milkman. He was a milkman. Yeah, he's a dairy milkman. distributor. And then I have this little picture of um, th- they had a memorial service for him, sort of just like him and his or his buddies did at Santa Barbara Brew House. Um, and there's like just a little round of shot glasses filled with milk that oh. they sent us a picture of. That's just like, oh my god, that's adorable. That's so cool. Um, we haven't done a memorial for him yet. We're doing a celebration of life on his birthday, which is December 27th, which is like, you know, six months after he died. But and we couldn't afford to uh, cremate him. Hmm. So the county had to do it, which means we don't get any of the ashes because that means he's just going to get cremated with a bunch of other people. And they're like, they're like, but they get, you know, they get blown into the ocean. And my mom's like, well, I mean, he, you know, kind of wanted to be buried at sea anyways. And it's like, okay. My uncle unceremoniously dumped my mom's ashes into the ocean. It was supposed to be like a funeral action. He just walks up with this plastic bag. With my mom in it. And just says, Kim always loved the sea. And then just dumps it all in one shot into Montana de Oro. Oh my god. Yeah. (laughs) That's like the fucking Big Lebowski with the coffee can. It really was. (laughs) It really, it really was. It was just... (laughs) Fuck. And it was one of those, like, I remember shaking my head at him, like, what? Like, to get, at least pass it around? Like, <laughs> blop. It was literally, dump. All right, let's get lunch. You know? <laughs> like, it was so, so, I, fish and chips were at the beach. But yes, I kid you not. <laughs> I kid God. you not. It was, it was, it was something like that. Like, he had something to do. You know what I mean? Like, it was very quick. And, um. Holy God. Like, I mean, it's the best he had. Um, But I get it. Uh At least you're, you guys cared. Yeah. Enough. And it would have been (laughs) $1,300. Holy. Just to cremate him. Burial services are stupidly expensive. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, it would have been like a billion times that to do like a coffin and a burial plot and all that stuff. Oh, it's kind of silly. It's bananas. I know. It's bananas. Like, can't we just bury him in back? I think your dad would have been into that. He totally would. He'd be like, mm, yeah. <laughs> Under that antique lawn furniture your mom has. Oh. Because of course she does. Of course. Yeah. Just like, it's from the swap meet. It was $20. 
how, how are <laughs> swap meets big deal too churros um <laughs> how how are you with the grief thing right now in the day-to-day um because you're in the middle of it like this is the thing you are currently dealing with in your recovery this is your 10th step on a daily like for sure well he died july 30th and it's what september yeah fifth yeah something like that i don't need to know what the date is i'm on disability (laughs) right (laughs) fuck it um i so i'm doing better than i thought i would with the grief it's it comes and goes right I um you're feel you're allowing yourself to feel it in real time though which yeah. is important that's yeah. if any of you are in recovery right now and or not but you have to deal with some death or you're wondering about death lean into the work yeah. deal with the grief cuz it's not going anywhere yeah if you just soldier on and stuff it into a you know a the coffee can of emotions in your heart <laughs> you know if you do that you're going to find yourself punching a puppy in the face for no yeah, reason. Not gonna, knowing why. Yeah. Shoot a speedball under your titty vein. Get in a fight. Get in a in, fight. A, in a meeting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's going to get gnarly. <laughs> and so well, at least that's what my experience was. And so I'm really proud of you for just like dealing with it. Thank you. Doing the big girl shit, the therapy thing and feeling your feelings. It's been kind of hard because, like, I'm having a lot of physical health stuff, so I haven't been able to really go to, excuse me, that Red Bull you fed me. Um. (laughs) That's right. I give all my bitches Red Bull. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, I haven't really been able to go to meetings. Um, I haven't been able to leave the house much at all, honestly, which sucks. So I've just been forced to deal with everything head on right in the face which is good but then it's like a lot of the other tools that i would normally utilize are not so much at my disposable disposal right now right and um so i have been you know i've been writing letters to my dad Mm -hmm. um which is cool because i can address him in a way that i you know wasn't able to when he was alive Right. And I can talk to him about things that I wasn't able to when he was alive. I'm still obviously not talking, not writing to him in the same way that I would like journal, you know. What's well, a different really, this is my experience. Both my parents are passed mm-hmm. and this is my experience. The relationship didn't stop. Right. It changed dramatically. Mm-hmm. Um, and my experiences with them have changed over time as I've grown older and had empathy. My mom was 27 when she had me. I was 28 when she died. Oh, shit. Yeah, and this idea of what... how she... how she was a mom at that point in her life. God, can you imagine... Yeah, yeah, like, I can't, my cat, I forgot to give her water today. She was yelling at me, and I was like, oh, you're dehydrated. (laughs) Um, And I love kids. I take care of kids now. Yeah. And um, I, I just, you know, to have that responsibility and to not really know if you want to be sober and to be 
that person that yeah. she was. Um, yeah, I think of where we were when we were 27. Could you imagine? We, we were both hot out of breakups. I was living and, in that shoebox. And, and I was living in that... You were living underneath all of Cheryl's dirty dishes. <laughs> I was living in a palace of dirty dishes <laughs> in a non-sexual lesbian relationship with my roommate. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize was that way until I moved out and she was sad. <laughs> yeah. And then... Um, you didn't know that you were her girlfriend. I had no idea. Um, I feel like... It was your fault for wearing all those overalls. I can't help my love for overalls. Nineties kid, yeah. Hoop earrings and overalls for life. <laughs> um, but yeah, I I think that's that was my experience of the relationship changes. Like I wear I wear a ring on stage every time I perform. That was my mom's. Aww. Wearing it right now. That's and I wear pretty. it every time because I know first off that she's wherever that is. I don't. I don't know what my concept of an afterlife is, but I know that uh, a lot of what I take on stage is my mom. She's very, she was very funny. Um, that makes sense. And so I can kind of, and I know that if she was alive, she'd be front row at every show. She'd be obnoxious. Ha. You know, I'd have to, nice. I'd have to ask the clubs to set her as far back as possible. Yeah. Um, drink limit. We put a drink limit on her, put a muzzle on her. Um, but uh, that's that's been my experience. So I know that when you, it's it's great that you're writing letters. I have conversations. I've had whole conversations. It was after my dad died. There were years of just me talking to myself. It was just me talking to my dad because I had so much I had to continue to say. Like yeah, those relationships were so important. Yeah. You know? And uh, I, I also had the experience of I was booking a plane ticket to go and see him and he died in that hour. Oh, God. Yeah. You always think you have more time. Yeah. Than you ever do. Yeah. The fucking nurses told us we had another week or two, bitch. Thanks a lot, bitch. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Kind of. Um, yeah. But basically, as soon as he moved over to hospice. They know what that means. Yeah. Yeah. And I think my sister and I had both sent him, like, some kind of, like, lovey sort of text that same day. My mom said I talked to him that day. I don't really remember. Um, Yeah. But, so I guess he was sort of just like, all right, we're cool. Which is good. Um. That's more than a lot of people get. Yeah. By the way. Yeah, so I do. I mean, I I know I'm really lucky in that sense. Well, it's just incredibly beautiful. There are people who wish a lonely, sad death for family members who did less. (laughs) And it's beautiful that you can come to a place where you're just like, you know what? I love this person for who he is. Not for what he did, but for who he is. Yeah. Well, and and I'd almost... It it might even be better because it's like... If I had gone there and he knew he was on his way out, then it's like, would he have tried to confront something or whatever? Because he had sort of, like, 
tried to say something like a couple of years back and it was weird, you know, so it might have worked out for the best. What was going to happen is my mom was going to go pick up my sister in Arizona yeah. and I was going to cat sit and then go and like visit him all the time in hospice just to make sure that like, you know, if the nurse called and said like, hey, be over here now so he's not alone that I'd like be there and I thought it was going to be like cool because it'd be like me and dad time you know just like me and him um but didn't work out that way and then my mom and I ended up going to Arizona and that was interesting because why not compound a little bit of grief with some gnarly family time absolutely my um one thing that when my dad did die that my stepmom said to me and I think this might be true in your case dads don't want to be seen that way yeah and in a way there's a peace and a grace to that relationship ending that way yeah we're changing in that way yeah uh, yeah, I mean, the last time I saw him, he probably weighed, like, maybe five pounds more than I do. Oof. And he's, you know, six feet tall, so. Yeah. And he needed help up every time he got up. And I guess, you know, in his last week, he, uh, my mom had to call the fire department almost every day before he got transferred to hospice. A couple times a day, because he just kept falling and not being able to get back up oh my god so he yeah he probably didn't want to be seen that way yeah dads are supposed to be our superheroes yeah and he was always very like tight-lipped about what was going on with his health because he was trying to protect his little girls so that's that same kind of concept people are ridiculous when they're dying I know, it was really frustrating because it'd just yeah. be like, what's going on? Nah, I'm great. I'm good, I'm not going to talk about it. Yeah. Well, the best health of my life. You're actually not. But Yeah, we as a culture, especially in dysfunctional families, have a very hard time dealing with death. My, um, <laughs> they didn't tell me my grandfather died until two weeks after his funeral. What in the fuck? And they showed me pictures. I got a letter from my step-grandmother uh, with pictures and a full explanation. But my, my mother and my uncle are in the pictures. Everybody was involved but me. I don't know. <laughs> I forgive them, but definitely I think that people are real, real dumb when it comes to children and death. Just how it's old were you? Twelve. Good God. <laughs> yeah. Wow. What is your spiritual life like now with all this? Well, I really want to believe in heaven. Why not? Huh? Why not? I want to. Yeah, just do it. I, I have a hard time. I want to be reunited with all my cats and... I mean, and then also with, like, you know, my dad and my grandpa and yeah, I, all the ex-boyfriends that died. Yeah. Um, 
and friends and stuff but i it's uh hopefully I, not all at once it'd be a real awkward dinner party in the afterlife oh my god like, preacher grandpa junkie boyfriend yeah um can you keep your eyes dad. open during this place can we all have a conversation yeah cats you know what i'm just gonna go sit with the cats (laughs) (laughs) even heaven's a bummer (laughs) (laughs) um but i i i still just have a hard time with it i like the concept of it but i i don't know i spiritually i i just sort of relish in connection and like beauty and uh, uh, nature I guess it's fucking pretty and the universe like the universe the Um, way it speaks to me oh my god like I really feel the presence of God when I'm in Bikram yoga (laughs) no honestly like uh, my higher power talks to me through animals and music there you go I um when I was new I tried to share at a meeting that my higher power talks to me through my cat and then um there is like this joke amongst everybody it's like that chip's higher power is a fucking cat <laughs> um which is like whatever uh but just throughout the years whenever something's been going on where like I needed to hear a message like you know, certain of like run into a deer or whatever and had like a weird moment of eye contact that you normally wouldn't have with mm-hmm. the animal that sticks around that long or like, you know, driving past the ocean crying and all of a sudden dolphins are swimming when usually it's like quiet on that part of the coast or you know obviously like my connection with my cat is the whole reason I got clean and then um and then the whole and then Led Zeppelin which is like I just can't even get into all the different little stories of the different shout outs through Led Zeppelin lyrics (laughs) we we have an interesting charge to look for sort of those little moments in our daily lives mm-hmm. we get to believe in magic yeah we really get to believe in magic if we want to some people don't yeah i find it's just easier to play the game and to, to just suspend disbelief for a moment mm-hmm. and allow myself to feel a little bit of magic mm-hmm. um in the book Life of Pi, I never saw the movie. He talks about sort of the the, the whole thesis of the book is um, that, you know, if you, he uses this analogy that if an atheist goes to heaven and sees that there is a heaven and a God, they just believe immediately. And an agnostic is in a constant state of questioning, hmm. even when it's in front of them. And that we choose to believe the better story, you know? And and for me, that's just 
my spiritual life is on a daily basis i choose to believe the better story even if i'm an idiot you know even if, when i have people go no the reality is this and then i go okay well i'm just gonna choose to believe the better story <laughs> uh, agree to disagree yeah <laughs> what are the statements we're killing uh i agree to disagree it is what it is we're putting out fires and what's the last one we decided one last night oh god it'll come to us it was pretty annoying it is what it is Uh, it It is is what it is that's program code for i'm not gonna deal with this right now yeah i'm just gonna let this one fester yeah Uh, it is what it is okay i don't fucking know oh just say you don't know you don't need to know yeah it's cool sucks you could say it sucks yeah yeah so on the other hand i I choose to believe the better story and then sometimes like yeah fuck it it sucks yeah i don't know (laughs) so (laughs) we're at our last question what we talked about a lot of things covered a lot of ground here we've covered a lot of ground here i feel like we've done (laughs) some good work today um what what do you want people who are walking in shoes just like yours like what what do you want them to take away from this discussion there's a lot of shoes you have a lot of fabulous shoes a lot of different pairs of shoes I wish we had the same shoe size. I'm a bigger woman. A lot of the shoes that we've talked about tonight, I uh, I wouldn't want you to wear. <laughs> <laughs> They're not that comfortable. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I guess <clears throat> give your feet a break. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Because you're clean. Yeah. By the way, you have 12 years clean. And a half. 12 and a half years clean. <laughs> I'll shorten you your shit. You have 12 and a half years clean. Yeah. Um, You're a fucking fighter. You're a rock star. I guess. You Let me preface this. You have 20, 12 and a half years clean, and you are 34. 33. 33. Maybe 34 in December. Uh huh. Yeah. You're 33 years old. That's fucking crazy, huh? Yeah. Weird. Um, I guess. Shit. (laughs) That. Like. A lot of things are going to seem too hard to deal with. But it's harder not dealt with. Yeah. Than dealt with. Um, We're so resilient. Yeah. Uh, and. I don't, give yourself a break. Keep going and like make strong connections with strong fucking people like Anna um and like if you're new build a rock solid foundation and if you're not new build a rock solid foundation 
Yeah. Because a lot of this stuff that, you know, is keeping me going today is stuff that is from when I was new, you know, mm-hmm. that, um, a lot of the stuff that was drilled into me when I, when I was a newcomer is like, if I didn't have that, I think I would have been fucked. Just like the little things, like every time I talk to a doctor, a brand new doctor, I lay everything out on the table and I talk to so many doctors (laughs) and you know, all the pharmacies. Yeah. Um, and just being forthcoming about everything um sometimes to a fault but most of the time it's okay you know and which means just like owning up to responsibility and when that means like you know people are like well why did this happen and they're giving you an excuse to make up some shit (laughs) you're still just like because i made a mistake yeah that's like the most powerful thing. Yeah. Jobs. Yeah, because I, f- I fucked yeah. up. That's why. Yeah, employers hate that. Oh, God. Because they're like, they're like, wah, 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 wah. We want you to play the guilt game. Yeah. And why like, won't you play the guilt game? We were, we were trying to Aren't get you, you to make something yourself? up. Yeah. No. Um, so I'm not perfect. Yeah. And? Yeah. <laughs> well, sorry. <laughs> sorry. I didn't wear my cape today. Right. Not yeah. Not going to be the queen of the office. There are seven other bitches in here vying for that position. I'm not going to do it. Right. Right. Um, Yeah, I guess allow yourself not to be Wonder Woman. Even though she has a fabulous outfit. Yeah. Yeah. If you're Anna, you can have her hair. What? I know my hair's growing back. It's getting getting more and more Wonder Woman. Pretty great. I'm jealous. Um, I don't know. That's a good question. I don't remember what it is already. <laughs> well, I guess we'll stop there. <laughs> Laurel, you're the best and I love you. And thank you for the eight hours of interview that we've done here. <laughs> Seriously. Um, but it's all compelling and it's fun. And um, you I'm know. glad you're doing this. Thank you. This is cool. It's a- you're so cool. <laughs> I, um, I love you. You're going to help a lot of people. I love you too. I hope I can. Yeah. I mean, you already have, but. I'm going to cry. I'm honored that you asked me to do this. Mm-hmm. Love you. Two person circle jerk. Yeah. <laughs> All right, guys. Thanks. Bye. Bye.